Ever since you can remember, you felt something in your chest telling you to move, to love, to speak, to try. Day after day, you pretend you don't hear it calling, or maybe you dismiss it as silliness or worse. But it's there, ready for you, and it will wait for you as long as you need. My name is Johnny G, and I invite you to join me on a journey of awakening as we dare to embrace our light. This is Refractive. Hello, hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Refractive. I'm your host, Johnny G. Before we get into the content today, I want to welcome Italy, one of the latest countries that our podcast has been able to chart in. There's a little bubble of listeners in Milan that seems to have tipped the scales to get us on the charts there. Thank you for tuning in. It took four seasons to get Italy on the charts, but I'm glad that you're here, and I'm delighted that the refractive message is resonating in a new place. To all listeners, thank you for getting us to this fourth season. It's crazy if I think about four years ago starting this bad boy up, like that we would even last this long. But if listen, if you think Refractive could be of service to others, please consider subscribing, sharing, rating, and reviewing the podcast. Each of these four things really does expand its visibility and in the search result algorithms. Also, if you have any suggestions on content or feedback, just email me at refractivepodcast at gmail.com. Today's guest is Jennifer Standish. She is a personal transformation expert and the founder of Give Yourself Permission, which helps women overcome limiting attitudes that prevent them from achieving career success and finding happiness in life. She's the author of Permission Granted, Live Your Life Full of Joy and Peace, This is a book that gives practical advice on how to create an amazing life, regardless of what has happened to you in the past. For today's episode, Jennifer is going to talk to us about a really incredible experience she's had. Um, Since this podcast is all about living authentically and spiritually, I know her story is going to resonate with a lot of you. I know it's going to touch a lot of you. And so what happened is in April of 2020, Jennifer experienced a direct revelation that divinely guided her to uproot her life, let go of her physical belongings, and dedicate herself to serving and healing others. You know that's our jam. So she describes that this revelation she experienced was like tapping into pure consciousness, and she experienced hovering over Los Angeles with her creator side by side, lovingly observing the people below. She compares it to what we've come to think of in our culture as a near-death experience. And today, because of what she experienced back in 2020, her life is dramatically different. She moved to Los Angeles, where she lives her mission of helping others release and heal from pain, trauma, and attachment. Welcome, Jennifer. And I'm so happy to have you with us today. I am so happy to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Now you have such an incredible story. I want to make sure, did I get anything wrong about that introduction? No, it's it's perfect. It's perfect. All right. Perfect. So let's just get to the nitty gritty because I want to know what the heck happened, um, what this experience was like, and what was going on in your life that led to this type of, uh, this type of life-changing moment. Yes. So the August before, prior, I had tried to commit suicide. And I was in a really difficult spot. I was 
uh, I was running three or four businesses. I, uh, um, you know, I was financially under a lot of stress and I, one night, you know, I just went to bed and somewhere along the line, God showed up and said, I want you to sell everything that you owned. And I was living in the Hudson Valley. And so picture this, I'm in the Hudson Valley. I live in a cabin right (laughs) on the Hudson River, about an hour north of New York City. I have redesigned my home so that the upstairs is an Airbnb. I am a sales consultant. I'd started a business called Prospecting Works where I was teaching people how to cold call and helping them overcome call reluctance, which ended up being a deep dive into to their childhoods. Um, I was a wood turner and I was, and I had been wood turning for 10 years and I was selling my, uh, wood turning. I was working with a lathe and I had a line of kitchenware that I was selling all over the world. Right. So I was a working artist, uh, production turner, had an Airbnb, and then I had a sales consulting company. And then I was teaching Etsy classes because I was selling on Etsy at the local. Right. So I was I was hustling. Yes. And and I was scraping by. And so I had like four gigs were, you know, that I was juggling and. Uh, um, and I was doing it, but I had been doing it for years and it the level of anxiety and stress was just overwhelming and um but one night in april i'm asleep and i will say god showed up in my sleep and said jennifer i want you to sell everything that you own the house which was you know i owned a couple acres of a couple acres of land overlooking the Hudson River. I mean, it, and it was this beautiful cabin. I had a, a, a huge workshop, wood shop. Um, I had a sailboat. I had, I, I mean, people would show up to this, you know, this home, which was an Airbnb, um, five-star rating for three years. And people would say, you're living my dream. Like yeah. this is, I, I mean, it was, you know, a, de- a wraparound deck with a pergola wisteria. I, I mean, it had deer that slept overnight you'd wake up at five o'clock in the morning and there would be deer sound asleep on my yard you you know it was just idyllic um and it was like and I had lived there for 16 years and I had friends and it was like sell everything you own move to Los Angeles where you will heal people with your undivided attention and we and it was pure and I would experience pure consciousness and we went to Los Angeles where we hovered over people walking on the street in Los Angeles. And I had lived in Los Angeles 30 years prior because I went to college out here. And and I was like, okay. And there, and I felt completely safe. And I didn't question the the request. And I was said, okay, sure, this is what I'll do. And then we ended up back in my house. And I then woke up. And started looking at things and was like, okay, well, we'll sell this and we'll sell this and we'll sell this. And um, then, then I did what anyone would do when God comes and visits them and says, I want you to do this. Um, I promptly called every single person I know. And yeah. I told them this story and I said, well, what would you do? <laughs> <laughs> because it's like, 
like it wasn't enough that God just showed up and said, I want you to do this. It was like I needed to call a hundred people and go, Well, what would you do? Well, of course. <laughs> of course. Because what if you're crazy? What if you're just hallucinating? Right. I mean, like, yeah, I mean, you you gotta bounce off your crew. You know, it was just such a ridiculous thing because at the time in pure consciousness, you know, and it was like, well, when he's, you know, when it was said and, and God wasn't male or female, it was just God where you will heal people with your undivided attention. At the time, I didn't think to ask questions like, well, what does that mean? God. Right. right. But, at, but then when I woke, but then when I returned to my body and I'm like, am I a professional listener? <laughs> so I'm like typing on like professional listening. Is that a career? It turns out there are people who are professional listeners. And I'm like, I guess I'll be a professional listener. So, so I'm calling all my friends, all of my business associates, even my clients. I'm calling, well, what would you do? Well, what would you do? Well, what would you do? You know, and they're like, well, Jen, um, we believe that you believe this happened to you. And so if something like that did happen and everybody said, go, everyone said, go, right. Wow. Everyone, they're like, if this truly happened to me, first of all, why are you calling everyone? <laughs> like, what is wrong with you? But yeah, I would go. Uh, but I had a dear friend who was uh, also an intuitive healer. And she said, no, let the dust settle. Figure out what healing with undivided attention really means because you are walking away from a lot. And what are you going to do when you show up? You're going to have to figure it out. Uh -huh. Figure it out in your home here where you have your businesses, where you have your friends. Where, like, And it was the best advice because what ended up happening was COVID. Mm -hmm. And I was blessed in that I survived COVID really well. And my, my house ended up, uh, I ended up, it took me two years to figure out what I believe healing with undivided attention was. And what happened was my work with people who had call reluctance, their lives when we did the deep dive into what was preventing them, you know, what was terrifying them of picking up the phone, it was a deep dive into their childhood and the, then their lives would, once we uncovered what that fear was, their life trajectories completely changed. This is, and, this, if I can jump in, you mean, um, you, you know, you were, you would be hired to help people who felt insecure in selling by phone, um, yes. getting over that insecurity. And what you learned was that it was, previous life experiences that caused that and you were able yes. to help them work through it. Is that what you're saying? Yes. Yes. So call reluctance is very complicated with sales, with salespeople who have call reluctance, who have the fear of picking up the phone and either selling, not really selling over the phone, but, but scheduling appointments over the phone. Uh, um, call reluctance is actually very complicated. There's 12 different types of call reluctance and it goes back to deep childhood stuff okay, okay. because we're taught as children, don't annoy, annoy people, don't interrupt people, don't be a pest. All of those things are cold callers yeah, yeah. or a cold, right? So what I realized was when I was working with people that I was doing more than just sales coaching, it was transformational coaching and mm -hmm. I was changing the trajectory of people's lives. And that's, I was like, oh, that's the path I'm supposed to be on. 
I don't need to teach people how to cold call. I'm a transformational coach. This is what I should be doing in Los Angeles. And it took me two years to figure that out. Yeah. And it also helped. Um, I, I had to get, you know, we had to get through COVID. And what ended up happening was when I sold my home, I sold my home for more money than I could have imagined all cash to yeah. the perfect buyer who the husband was a wood worker. So he loved the shop. Uh, all cash. They didn't really inspect the house because the house was hand built. I mean, it was just, they, they took care of, they assumed responsibility for the feral cat colony that I had taken care of for 15 years. I mean, it was just like the universe, just everything aligned perfectly. And it was like, thank God I didn't move immediately. Thank Mm -hmm. God. So, but that's what I did was I then sold everything I owned, every tool, every piece of clothing, I only took heirlooms with me and I went and I pretty much almost gave everything away because selling your possessions in a month is kind of hard, but I really just gave everything away, pretty much gave everything away. And I was most, the two things I was most concerned about was my prized wood that I had been collecting for 16 years and who was going to take care of the feral cats, everything else I could have cared less about. Once those two things were taken care of, I was fine. And I ended up, you know, just the house ended up empty. And I drove down to my best friend's home in South Carolina, spent a couple, you know, weeks with them. And then I drove across country, took me six weeks. And I ended up spending a week in the desert, just south of the Grand Canyon in a really fancy mobile home tarp park, another Airbnb, um, where I really wanted and expected to have all of these indigenous uh, souls come and visit me and tell me exactly what was going to happen when I arrived in LA. Because <laughs> I was like, well, because God sent me here to do this. So I was just, so I sat outside in my truck almost every night waiting for these indigenous souls to come tell me what to do. And they didn't arrive. Yeah. So, <laughs> so. So I then started looking for volunteer, you know, volunteer opportunities and and apartments and all that sort of stuff. And one night I was meditating and I got this very, very, very clear signal. This very clear message was no, stop. Enjoy your trip. We can, we'll figure this out for you. Just enjoy your trip we will find, you know, the universe, we will find you the perfect apartment. We will find, we we will take care of everything. You, but you can solve this if you want, because overachievers are really good at solving things. And this has been my problem all along in life is you can solve every problem that comes your way. But if you would just stop and let us, the universe, the guy, your guys, all of, if you would let, let us solve your problems, you would be so much better off. Yes. So just stop, stop achieving, Mm. give us space, give us time. Mm -hmm. We'll do a better job, but you need need closure so much. So I just had to sit back and go, fine, you figure it out. I'm just going to enjoy this trip. And that's what I did. And um, I arrived and spent three weeks on the beach. I, I had an Airbnb right on on Santa Monica's because I thought I wanted to live on the beach. Turned out I didn't. Ended up in Los Feliz in a wonderful apartment and could not be happier. Mm-hmm. And so now we've been here four months and uh, it is, you know, my life is slowly 
you know, coming, coming together. And, but it was this, um, but it's so far just been this amazing experience of letting go of who I was, becoming the person who I am, having faith in um, why I'm here and what I'm supposed to do. And it's really, uh, it's like new level, new devil. You know, when you step into a bigger place and to be a bigger person and a bigger life, everything that you thought that you have addressed just kind of comes back. That's the truth. So the money fears are back, <laughs> you know, like all of these little things that I thought I had contended with. Well, I had in a smaller life, but now that this is a bigger life in a bigger way. Um, and that was one of the realizations as I was driving across country was I really have to address this fear of money mm-hmm. and the holding on to it. And, and, um, and so because that has been um and i think it's true with a lot of people is is we we hoard money we don't keep it in circulation right and there's a great book out there called it's it's it, it's not my money i think i think that that's what it's called and it's mm-hmm. like we we're supposed to receive it and then put it back in circulation yeah yeah and um and i'm definitely not a spender and so right. i've had to look back at like every financial decision that I've been asked to make, I have to make it from my heart and be conscious of it and not let the amygdala hijack the decision. That's right. right. Yes. And not come from a place of fear. And for somebody who grew up with so much trauma and then had a nervous breakdown and then spent my most of my adult life suicidally depressed, I don't feel and I don't listen to my heart. And so I go on autopilot. And so it's very hard for me to connect to my heart and make decisions from that place. Mm-hmm. And so um, it's been a real, a real challenge of just staying present. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. but what an amazing, what an amazing experience this has been and continues to be. And I just feel um, so grateful. Yeah. Do you ever wonder, uh, it sounds like from, from the way you explained it, that you didn't deal with a lot of doubts, but do you ever wonder if what you experienced was a delusion and that you would wake up one day and be like, I was delusional. It was just, no, no, there was such a sense of urgency Mm-hmm. of I need to do this okay. and there was no critical thought that came in like um like was this like was this delusional what, what uh none and for two years that sense of urgency never waned okay. and it, it and it was I am I am I stand fully in my power and strength. And I know that was a divine experience. And when I tell people, I I say, there's no, there are no words in the English language that can truly describe what that experience was like, but I'll do my best. And I just came back from a conference where um, 
uh, I heard a woman who had a near-death experience, um, and she did this incredible healing. Um, Greg, uh, uh, Bruce Lipton um, was speaking at the event. And so anyway, when she was describing her near-death experience, I sat there and was like, and, and, and my friend was with me and I was like, that is my experience. And she too said, there are no words to accurately describe what I am about to tell you, but I will do my best. Yeah, yeah. And I just turned to my friend, Sheila, and I was like, Sheila, I, this is, I, I say the same thing. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. going through her experience, I was like, this is, this is it. This is, this is my experience except she had friends and 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 people who had passed with her i had god and i'll tell you it was god it wasn't mother earth it wasn't universe the, it, it it wasn't a guide it it was very clearly mm-hmm. and it was pure consciousness it yeah. was without and there no there was no fear there was no questioning there was it was and they and it was completely safe and complete mobility um you could go anywhere and and you could i could hear things and i could see things you can't feel things mm-hmm. um uh but i was invisible you, you know but there was no body uh so but there was no doubt, there's no doubt in my, there's no doubt that it was, it was a divine experience. Yeah. Yet it, I find it so funny how I really needed confirmation from every other human being that I knew. <laughs> of course. No, I understand. I get that. You know, I, uh, I reference it on the podcast every once in a while, um, you know, because it was really the, it was the launch of this whole chapter of my life. But, you know, I... Um, I had always wanted to go into the military, mm. but, um, you know, I was a gay kid and there was don't ask, don't tell. And, uh, you know, high school was really dark and really difficult for me. I went to an all boys high school in the suburbs, in the South and in the nineties, and it was just not safe. And, um, you know, uh, and then when I got into, um, you know, I had always struggled with my weight as a kid. And then when I got back into my thirties, I went into morbid obesity. I was 425 and like, and so the military just, it had never felt like a good option for me. And, um, as I was beating my head against the wall, trying to get out of a 16 year HR career that no longer felt like it fit. I didn't know what to do because I wasn't I, my first, this was my first job out of college and I wasn't qualified to do anything else and make, you know, and make serious money. And so I decided that the military was going to be my way out. I had lost 200 pounds. I had, um, you know, I was no longer worried about ram, you know, the ramifications of being gay. Like I, I, you know, I felt very confident and strong uh, in that to hold my own And I was like, okay, it's the first time in my life where I feel like I could actually go join the military. And this is going to be my way out. This is going to be, you know, I'm going to go become an intelligence officer. Then I'm going to pivot. I'll get my master's. And then I'm going to pivot into a civilian intelligence agency. I live in DC. There's like, you know, a dozen civilian intelligence agencies. And like, that's going to be my way out of HR. Well, 
what happened was I went to the recruiter. I went through about half of the steps. I found, you know, people in the, in the Pentagon who were, who would vouch for me. Like, I mean, like I, I literally was like on this quest and I started binge eating again. And the recruiter was like, listen, buddy, like, if you want to move forward with this, we can, but if you show up at this weight to officer candidate school, which is like boot camp for officers, you're going to have an ugly little asterisk next to your name. You're not going to enjoy the experience. They will lose the weight for you. So can you lose this on your own? And I said, yes, let's pause. I'll lose the 20 pounds. And then, you know, but the more I tried, the more weight I gained, the more binging I was doing. And month after month, my weight crept up and up and up. And uh, I had already left my career. I had already resigned from my HR director role. I was ready for the military and all I just couldn't move forward. I got re-recruited into HR and uh, I banged my head against the wall for a year and a half, trying to lose the weight and having my weight continue to go up all the way up to 325 pounds again. And, you know, the wow. thing, the thing was that, you know, um, I had like this series of really incredible experiences that kept pivoting me further and further away from what I thought I was going to do. And eventually it led to me being cracked open and me uh, seeing the world in a different way. Like, like you, I didn't have this kind of that same out of body type experience as you did, but I had like just this knowingness that one day it was like, no, no, no. You never need to struggle to figure out what you're gonna do for a living again. You never need to clamp and scrape and clench and grab. And uh, you never need to be the architect of your future again. Just catch the wind like a kite and you'll go where you need to go. And I, quit my HR career again, not knowing what to do and sat down with a notebook and was like, what feels right? You know, I would like to speak. That's what I want to do. And, and, and to this day, ever since, you know, starting the podcast and all of that years ago to this day, I wake up and it's like, what feels right today? And sometimes what feels right is to say no to a contract or a client. Sometimes what feels right is to not publish a podcast episode for a month. Sometimes what feels right is to go live in France for three months, which I did this past summer. It's like, it just, it's just like, can I just catch the wind and go where the universe, the creator, wherever, where, where I'm taken. And through these years, no longer do I, well, I'm too old to join the military now, but uh, you know, no longer do I have any illusions about any of that kind of stuff. You know, um, I don't worry about the future. I don't worry about money. I don't worry about that. Like, and I have had the most extravagant, ridiculous lifestyle since I have stopped trying to be the architect. Yeah. And it, it feels crazy. Jennifer, I asked you if you kind of felt delusional about it because I have had these, these, these pivot points where I'm sobbing on the sofa saying, I'm going to snap out of this one day and I will have destroyed my financial security. I will have walked away from all of my relationships. I will have become that weird, crazy, eccentric person. 
I will not have a career. I will not have professional credibility. I will literally be a bum, like with nothing. And, 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 and it's in those moments where I felt that like, what if this is all just delusion that the next day I would just get lifted back up and, yeah. and the clarity would return. Yeah. You know? So I love yes. Well, even though, uh, I know that as long as I stay on this path, I'll be taken care of just like you. Um, and I've, and I've had this feeling since I was a child, um, that I was destined for something great and which is part of what made my childhood and my twenties, thirties and forties. So difficult was because I knew I was destined for something great, but everything <laughs> that I was getting, um, especially being raised by a narcissist who said I was dumb, would never go to college, would, yeah. would always need adult supervision. Yeah. Um, and, and here I was believing that I was destined for something great and, and how this, this, it was just this, this conflict within me. Um, there, there are moments where I sit on the couch and I do wonder there's nobody signed up for my workshop and I've just invested all of this money. Oh right. my God. Yeah. Oh my God. Right. So even though we there, even though we have, even though God told me exactly what he wants me to do and I'm doing it, it doesn't mean that we're, that, that there aren't those, those moments or those days where there's weakness. Um, and, uh, but it, but thank God that um, somehow, you know, we have people in our lives or we can kind of like right the boat um, because I feel exactly the same way as you do. Like I'm going to be fine and I don't yeah. worry about money most days. And, and I do know that, that, you know, as long as I stay here, because I do believe I'm a light worker. I do believe I'm here on a mission. I do believe I'm here to help women pull them from the dark into the light, which is why it's so hard for me when people say, well, you've got a niche down. You've got it. like, well, what is it exactly that you want? And I'm like, I'm here to help women find peace and joy. And they're like, well, what exactly does that mean? And I'm like, you know, it's, um, I, I do know, and I'm, and you're a light worker too. And we both want to speak and we both want to get in front of, I mean, there's nothing more that there's nothing that I feel more passionate about is give me a room full of people. Yes. Yes. And, and, and I want to stand on stage because I know my book is 91 rules that I was taught by a narcissist that I had to, that sabotaged my adult life and caused me to have a nervous breakdown when I was 23. Yeah. I didn't even get that far out of college and it had completely shut down my life. And these were, and the book is very funny. Um, I've come, <laughs> there's nothing sad about it. It's like, it's hysterical because some of these rules, because narcissists are, can be really funny. Um, and, and, but my entire life was sabotaged. Adult life was sabotaged. And, and so my, my goal is 
let's, you know, let's ladies, let's come out together and let's look at what you were taught to, you know, what are the rules that you were told that you had to live your life by and right. let's get rid of them and rewrite your own rules that are loving and supportive and encouraging and that will let you live a bigger life because that's the life that you were intended to. And let's connect with your heart and let's, because I haven't been connected to my heart and let's, let's, let's all do this together um, and lift each other up because when we're all on our path, we are all as a community so much stronger. I mean, imagine if we, Imagine a country where we aren't also worried about retirement. Right. Exactly. Yes. Yes. I, 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 I mean, what would our lives be like if we aren't, if we weren't all worried about, am I going to have enough money to retire? Mm-hmm. Yes. We would all be doing what we loved yes. and what we loved we're really good at. Right. Exactly. I mean, what a beautiful place to be. So yes, that's, and, and, you know, for each of us is different, but that's my goal is let's help other people find what their soul's purpose is. And yes. they're going to be magnificent at it. I work, I live, you know, in Los Feliz, there's a lot of homeless people in Los Angeles. And I, you know, my talk is hot mess to healer. And I really believe that there's a lot of healers in the homeless community out yes, here. I do and, too. And if I can just, if there's a way to just find one of them, help them put their lives back together again, and then put them back out there and say, it's now it's your job to find one more, right? And help that one person. And then there's two of you and then go back. And so, you know, I just did a podcast the other day about suicide. And what would you tell people who are on the verge of committing suicide? And I would just say, maybe you're a hot mess because you're really a healer. Yeah. And it's your job yeah. to heal, to then go and help other people heal. That's right. And so just give us a stage. Yeah. Give us people who we can help. That's right. Heal. Because we've got something to say. Yeah. I yeah. agree. Where is this going? I don't know. <laughs> you know, it doesn't matter. We follow the flow. That's right. Yeah. We catch the wind, right? We catch- yeah, we catch the wind. Yes, we catch yeah. the wind and we stay with it, right? Yes. yes. This, um, I really love what you're you're saying about the stage. You know, um, you know, and I, I wonder if others, you know, some of the listeners can relate. You know, there is something that happens when you are speaking to a group of people, and you can, um, you can see the click happen yes. person by person. And it's like, it's like a bag of popcorn. It's like one click and then it's a long time. And then there's another click. And then it's like, click, 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 click. Right. And like all of a sudden the energy of the group is feeding you. Yeah. You feed the energy of the group. And it just is this amazing, beautiful cycle of like love, like from the stage to the group, to the stage, to the group. And like, everyone is vibrating. Everyone yeah. is just, yeah. everyone is glowing, you know, yep. it's this, it's this idea of like uniting together in love and service and truth and spirit and, and, and soul power. And it's, it's, it's amazing. And it has the ability to alter lives. It really does. It, it does. I was meditating and I, I envisioned myself on stage and 
the applause stopped and I just said, thank you for seeing me. Mm-hmm. And I said to the group, and I know this is going to happen somewhere, somewhere it's going to happen where there are going to be people in that audience that want to be seen too. And I'm going to invite them on the stage and say, I want the, I want you all to clap just as enthusiastically for me. I want you all to one by one, as these people come out, I want you to see them too. And I want you to clap because I want these people to feel as seen as I did when you come out, because that is going to transform these people's lives and have these people come out. They don't have to perform. They don't have to say anything. They have to do anything. They just get an opportunity to walk out on stage individually and re- and be seen in front of hundreds thousands of people and be applauded a standing ovation just for the courage of coming out and standing in front of all of these thousands of people yes and yes. being seen and that is so healing and i just want to give people that opportunity to be seen yeah in that way yeah. and um, it's going to happen. Yeah. Um, you know, in our culture, being seen can be radical. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So if the listeners want to learn more about you, Jennifer, and not only your amazing story, but how you show up in the world and help people, how you, uh, exercise this gift of healing with others, um, what do you recommend they do to learn more? Sure. <laughs> God bless the websites. (laughs) It's not done. So the best place to find me is is on LinkedIn. And it's Jennifer Standish. Just look for Jennifer Standish. You'll find me. Um, You can also email me. The email is super easy. It's just Jennifer at Jennifer-Standish.com. But LinkedIn right now is the place where I call my home. Um, I post there regularly. Uh, My contact information is there. My phone number is even there. You can always reach out as a former cold caller, cold calling consultant. I take every single call that comes my way. Uh, so you can always, you can always call me. Um, I'm on Instagram as uh, give yourself permission. You can find me there. I post there regularly. Um, I'm on Facebook as Jennifer Standish. The, the website is coming, I promise. But, uh, but LinkedIn, like I said, is, is the best place. And, um, you know, I'm always posting about workshops because um, I do them regularly. I love to do, you know, workshops and things like that. But that's the best place is LinkedIn. That's Thank excellent. you so much. Yeah, of course. And uh, it's Jennifer with a J and two N's for those of you who are listening and Standish, S-T-A-N-D-I-S-H, Jennifer Standish. Thank you so much. I'm, I'm really grateful for you to join us on the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Everyone, I appreciate you tuning in, in again. And as always, as you go out into a sometimes hectic and chaotic world, remember to aim your light. Take care. You've been listening to Refractive Podcast, and this is Johnny G. If you found today's content uplifting, if you think it might make somebody's day better, give it a share on social media, click like, subscribe. All those things help to expand this podcast availability to new audiences. I'm a speaker, a coach, and a facilitator based out of Washington, D.C., but I travel a lot. If you think I can be of service to you or to your organization, help people get unstuck or move into their authentic power, shoot me an email, 
My email address is refractivepodcast at gmail.com. Take care. Thanks for listening and aim your light.